What's up, podcast world? Chad Belding back at you. Got an awesome episode planned for you today. Today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast is brought to you by our friends in Lynchburg, Tennessee, the one and only Jack Daniels. Please enjoy it responsibly, but we rely on Jack for the good times, the sad times. It's been there for us for many years, and we love how they support the outdoor culture, hunting and fishing, the music scene, and that's what we're talking about today. One of my favorite all-time bands, and I have been blessed to be able to sit and talk with the lead singer, guitarist, one of the founders, songwriters, Cody Cannon. How are you, my man? All right, man. How you doing? Good. Uh, Whiskey Myers. Um, I got you right there. Whiskey Myers is, uh, it's got to be one of the hottest bands in the country right now, isn't it? I mean, I, obviously the pandemic slowed down, but before that, y'all were on a roll that is, is did, could you ever expect what was going on, Cody? Uh, no, not really. Not at all. I mean, you know, you, you, you feel it building and you know, you're, you know, you're out there doing the right thing and stuff, but you never know. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of those things to where it's almost like a cult following to where you guys have established yourselves with this band of brothers across the country. A lot of people follow you from show to show, but do you think that it's, that it's mainly your live show that has set the band off to where y'all have gotten today? Or are you guys, are you guys concentrating on the studio time just as much as you do the live show? Um, you know, it is a little bit of both. It has to be, uh, but a lot of it was touring, yeah, I think. Just touring, we, we did that forever, man. We've been on the road for 14 years, so just honing our kind of live show, and it's a very kind of electric in your face, rock and roll show. But also, you know, on the albums, you got to make a good sounding record. Um, so it, it's there's a formula to all of it. And, you know, we got lucky and gotten just, you know, the right stuff at the right time that helped kind of, you know, pitches to another level because you can only – grow so big just going around and playing you know and it's kind of growing so you you need some things to happen and the record that helps that's how you know the songs really take off so it's both so if somebody came up to you and just said on a whim and let's say you had two or three beers in you and they just said what kind of band is whiskey myers how do you answer it personally because i don't i don't want this just to be a conversation where i ask you a question and then you give me an answer because i'm like i'm really engaged in your music and i follow it like crazy but um how do you describe it? Like you got a guns and roses effect to you. You got a George Strait. you got a Bo Seafish, you got a Waylon, you got, you have so many, you write with my favorite songwriter in the world right now is Brent Cobb. Who's a good friend of mine and yours. And, um, you write, you've written songs. One of the top rated songs that are on any of the lists you see for WM is one that you wrote with, with Brent Cobb, I believe. Um, so you guys have this entire, like, is it just your influence that did this and being in Texas? Did you have a huge rock and roll influence? Was, was it the ZZ tops? Was it the Southern rock? Was it the rock out on the sunset Boulevard? Everything was like a melting pot. And then you have all of the George Straits and the red dirt music and all the country music effect as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. It comes out like that. I think because of our influences, we grew up listening to the, you know, the ZZ tops and the Marshall Tucker bands and the Skinners and the Almond brothers and, you know, Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, all that, you know, rock and roll stuff. And then, you know, also grew up listening, you know, George Strait and Alan Jackson and, and uh, Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard, all that stuff. So it kind of, I guess if you, you just honestly listen to that stuff your whole life. Um, and I could just go on and on, you know, millions of bands. We just had a very collective kind of 
thing. Uh, and it just kind of comes out that way. It's just kind of a mesh of all of them, I guess. Well, I have, I've had, and I, I don't want to be a, a, a name dropper cause I, I don't want that, but I had, I was lucky enough to have Billy Gibbons on this last week. And when I hear some of your guys's live stuff and like how you start some of the chord progressions into a song, like I, I, I see that ZZ top, like from the seventies influence from like, if you watch like their documentary and you listen to like a, a whiskey s- song or a live, a live show, you almost can like close your eyes and be like, man, this could have been back in the seventies with ZZ top. Like it's rocking that much. And it's that raw. And I don't know if you hear that a lot. I would assume that you do just because whiskey Myers to me is just like raw like raw country raw rock raw in your face but just the musicianship in the it just seems like there's a a very perfected sound that you guys can transition from a zz top and then slow it down and go into one that would tear any of the honky tonks on broadway down i don't know i don't know if you've heard that a bunch but i i I, when i close my eyes i'm just like man these dudes are so old school and so raw and i don't even know if you're in your 30s yet or how old you are or what but y'all have got a like a really raw authentic sound yeah man it's just being honest you know it just goes back to your influences or any you know that's just kind of how you grew up and it's just we just do our thing and it just comes out that way it really does I'd say I, I can understand doing your thing, but let me ask you this. When you were coming up, and I assume that there was a stage in your career as a band, were you guys doing covers at one time? And would you go into like a bar and let let's say you're at, at Green Hall or you're in you're in uh let's say that you're in Austin at the Broken Spoke or somewhere. I've been there for Jerry Jeff's birthday part birthday party before, and I love Jerry Jeff music. But would you be up there and you didn't know whether to play a Van Halen song or a Jerry Jeff song or or a Metallica song? I mean, was it that diverse when you were, if you were cover songs, you guys had this entire portfolio? No, we did. We did the Jerry Jeff before the Van Halen. <laughs> you, you did the Jerry uh, Jeff before Van Halen? Um, yeah. Our, the, we covered some songs, but man, we did like ZZ Top, <clears throat> stuff like that. Skinner songs. Uh, well, you know, coming right out of the gate, we did as many originals as we could. We were all about that. We didn't want to be a cover band. So. You know, starting out, you don't have enough material to play full sets without doing covers. So we, we would do old rock and roll and stuff like that. And is the name, does the name come off of, is it kind of like your favorite drink with the roads you grew up on? Because I grew up on Myers Road and my favorite drink is whiskey. Like if I was going to drink an adult beverage, but my address growing up is 6805 Myers Road. So, I, you know, you hear some analogies like that. Well, you take your last name and you put it with whatever. Where does the name derive from as far as like for our listeners to know? Is, is it from one? Is it from a family member's name or is it from late nights with a whiskey bottle and what that meant to you? Or how, how does it come into fruition? Oh man, that's top secret. That's classified. Is it classified? Yes, above my pay grade. There's a lot of rumors out there on the internet, though. You can kind of Google it. There's been lots of rumors. I know. I was hoping I could get a real one today, man. I was hoping I'd sneak one by you with the analogy of the the road I grew up on. Hey, man, you're huh? It was named after your road. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, at least give me some insight on this, Cody Cannon. Is where is your military influence for a in-your-face badass jam that like could light up any room, Frogman? This song is like, it's my personal favorite of all of the ones that you guys have ever done. But 
is that is that just sitting around and and you guys have a lot of admiration for our military or do you guys have personal references of what it means to be a navy seal and a frogman well what it was we were um we're real good friends with scott brown who was uh in the marines for a long time and he introduced us to some navy seal buddies of his uh rob myers and pete scobell and just from like, and we kind of be, we became friends with them and some other like Navy SEAL guys and hung out with them and uh, heard stories and stuff like that. So it was just kind of kind of be tip your hat to those guys after just being around them and stuff. Uh, and it just kind of happened. And even when I I wrote the song with Rich Robinson Black Crows and, and it wasn't even like a military song. Like we were writing it and it had different lyrics. And at some point in the song, it changed to where like, oh, this could actually be about this. And I was like, man, I got some buddies. And so I actually like text them and was like, hey, is this cool if I, if I do this? You know, and be I don't want to do nothing. <laughs> Y'all don't think it's cool. Mm-hmm. And they were like, hell yeah. Like they were totally, and I told them kind of the vibe of what was up. And they actually had sent me like their credo or creed or whatever that they say, the last of the bare knuckle fighters and all that. They actually text me that. And then I had turned around and we put that in the song. Uh, so it was just being around those awesome guys and kind of, you know, paying our respects to them. And and they are, you know, a bunch of badasses. So we wanted to write a song that is, you know, kind of in your face, badass, not like cheesy. Uh, yeah, it's so in your face that it uses like words like, you bet your ass I'm a bad mother. Like when you hear that line and in, in our, our humbled experience with SEALs and, um, you know, being able to hunt with them and give back to the military and being around SEAL Team 6 members or wounded veterans that were in the SEALs. When you hear that song, is it is it one of the most rewarding feelings that you get personally as a musician when, you, when you're on stage and you see the reaction to a song like that? And then you also have the validation from actual warriors that fight for our freedoms. You hunt, you fish, you love the outdoors, you know that this shit's not entitled. We, we, we have people fighting for our rights every day for you to get up and sing and for me to go and call a duck. Is that one of like the biggest rewards of your music career, Cody, is, is being able to write a song like that and seeing the reaction that you get from me that's never been in the military and from a, an actual Navy SEAL that gives you his blessing? Yeah, just that their blessing and they thought it was really cool because we were just trying to do it out of respect to them. So anytime you write a song that affects people and you know touches them and stuff like that, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's why I write songs. Is it one of your favorite personal songs that Whiskey's ever done? Or yeah, you, I think it's cool. I think it, I think it might be one of, one of my favorites, especially one of the harder ones. I really do like that song. God, I love that song. I really, I really do. Every time I, I, I listen to your library, I just get a big kick out of, uh, I picture being in a room with a bunch of seals and seeing how they react to that. And it just paints the picture perfectly of what they live on a daily basis and when they're on a mission over in theater. And it's just the, the line about, well, I'd rather be, you know, back in the country pretty much. I'd rather have my feet in dirt fishing and stuff like that. It's kind of that feeling of, what I've always thought with the military is that when they get back here after doing what they do over there, they love to get in the woods. They love to be in the ponds. They love to be fishing and, and live in that outdoor lifestyle. So I just think that that song paints that picture. So, so perfect. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. I think that it's a, uh, I think that it's just one of, I think it's one of the, my favorite songs that you do. I think it is my favorite song, but I mean, we could talk about what, 
when you sit down and is there a science to songwriting with Cody Cannon when you go into a co-write, you know, and I talk to guys like Brant, he's like, I got an idea and I have like an avenue that I want to go down to, or are you just kind of like throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks? Are you kind of a freestyler in that way? Or do you, are you a scientist when it comes to wordsmithing like that? No, Brent, Brent's a scientist. He does. He, he comes in with the, he wants to write a song a certain way. Uh, me, I'm, I, I freestyle it. If, if, usually if I go in with the plan, they don't turn out as good as if I just sit down. And for some reason, uh, words just start coming out. Those are always better songs than if I had a plan, you know, for me personally. So do you, when you sit down to write the Honky Tonk song with Brent Cobb, do, is it his idea or, do, or are you guys freestyling that day? Which song? It was the, is it the, is it the bars, guitars and, uh, um, no, that's actually his song. We didn't write that one together. You didn't write he, that he, one. He cut it. that a long, long time ago. No, mm-hmm. I didn't write that one with him. He, first time I met him, he was, he was playing that song a long time ago. Like when he had first started and we had first started and I was like, man, I was like, we, we need to cut that song. And he, he was like, hell yeah. So yeah, we cut that song a long time ago. It was the first time me and him met before we'd even written together or anything. Does it surprise you that it's still like on a lot of the top five lists that when you look, when you search Whiskey Myers, like best songs ever, it's like in the top five of most of those, those, those polls, I guess yeah. they'd be called. I, mean, I heard it and I was like, oh, that's badass. We should do I thought it. you so wrote no, that. I thought you wrote that with Brent Cobb. Nah, we hardly even knew each other, man. And you, but you've written, yeah, we've set- written a lot of songs since then. Yeah. Yeah. So you d- it, tell, tell me in your opinion of what kind of artist is he, when you hear one of his albums that he's done with Dave, or I don't know if you've heard the new one, but what kind of artist is Brent Cobb when is he that raw, just that genuine authentic country sound or what, how would you describe a Brent Cobb? Yeah. Just a pure artist. I mean, he's an amazing songwriter. He's the real deal. He's not putting on a front. He's just, that's just how he is, man. Just like his songs, that's his personality. He's a great dude. Great person. No, we've known him for a long time. Yeah, he's a big fan of your guys' too. And and I kind of want to get into, and I don't know if you have the personality to talk. I've been talking with Eddie some, but does it, do you have to pinch yourself, Cody, with what's going on with, with the numbers you're seeing with the, 90% or how, how I don't even know how many shows sold out in a row. I'm we're talking a half a million tickets sold in two and a half years, 500,000 upwards of a half a million tickets sold to come watch your guys's live show. Um, and you're not talking just honky tonks in Texas. We're talking theaters and places all over the country, music festivals where people are knocking down the barriers to get to a WM show. Do you have to pinch yourself or is it just, did you see it coming? Uh man, I just keep my blinders on, man. I don't even think about it too much. And that's honest. You can ask anybody who knows me. I just I'm just doing my thing and play music. We've been doing it so long, it just it's just what we do. And so the more the merrier, you know, it's like, oh, there's more people here. That's really cool. You know, we're we're very blessed and we're fortunate. You know, we're appreciative. But uh, me personally, I keep my blinders on. I don't even think about stuff like that. So if you went to a show tonight at Joe's Joe's in Chicago and there was seven people there. The same energy would be in that show. If tomorrow night you were playing a sold out show at the Houston rodeo. Yeah. 
no, that would suck. I would be really bummed if there were seven <laughs> people. There. But that's got to be your energy, like, man. The energy at your guys' shows is amazing, bro. It's like amazing to see what it's built into. Is it not? I know you got your blinders on, but you've got to look outside of them once in a while and be like, holy shit, dude, look at all these freaking people. Look at all these sellouts we have in a row all over the country. Yeah. Like, it's amazing to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing. We feed off the energy of the crowd, too, man. The crowd makes the show. People don't realize that the fans make the show as much, if not more than the band, because like they add so much to your vibe and energy, you know, they really do. So do you have a favorite van? Do you like being at home in Texas the most? Is it, is it still kind of sentimental to you to play in, in towns, you know, like Austin or Dallas or Houston or, or, you know, green, some of the older honky tonks that you hear of in Texas, or do you, do you like, just as much being out on the road. And like, I, like one of the big things I was looking forward to this year was being in little rock when Jamie Johnson was going to be with you guys this year. And I love Jamie. And I thought that that, and I hope it still happens. That'd be an amazing tour, but uh, do you love being out on the road just as, just as much as you like playing a place in Texas? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, we like it all. Uh, but there's some special spots. Like when we get to go back to Billy Bob's, um, it's close enough to where we're from that our family gets to come out, experience it, and have a good time. You get to see a lot of people that you've known for, for a long time. Uh, so there are some times like that when it's like, you're like, hell yeah, this is cool. So, but, you know, other than that, we're just playing, man. We, we, we just like playing music. No, I can tell that you guys have a huge love and a passion. You also have... I think we share a common bond in a couple other areas. One is being, um, you know, a mutual friend of mine, Matt Pittman. Um, you know, the meat church. Yeah. Guys? You, yeah. yeah. I love Matt, man. Awesome. Does he know how to barbecue? He's not going to listen to this. So tell the truth what you think of his barbecue. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. He, that boy can cook. He can throw down. I don't Perry. know if he can He's been trying. We've been trying to uh, go fishing together. I don't know if he can cook, but he can or fish, but he can damn sure cook. Yeah, I think he can. I think he uses a bobber, but he can throw down on a Traeger for sure. He's a he's he's Texas blood. There's a lot of Texas royalty talent, man. That we could uh, we could go down that rabbit hole for sure. But I think that you guys. Um, when I first got turned on to you guys, as far as the outdoors go, you guys were duck hunting or something up in Montana in the last season. And, um, is it something that you grew up on? Is the outdoors really important to you as far as the hunting and fishing, the gatherer part of it, of putting food on the table? Are you really into that? Was that kind of your upbringing? Yeah, a hundred percent. I grew up hunting and fishing. I still do it all the time. Um, yeah, that's a hundred percent at my core for sure. You know, stuff like this happens and there ain't no food, you know, at the grocery store, I'll be fine. We'll be fine around here. It's crazy to think, though, that this could be the time finally in you and I's life that I, I've had probably 10 people that never hunted that don't even, you know, they might be political, different political affiliation, might be different views on life, but they come over and they eat a little bit of wild turkey or some some fresh fish that was just caught or whatever. And they're like, hey, where'd you get this? I'm like, oh, it's from a turkey hunt on the Sacramento River. They're like, what? You killed? And I'm like, yeah, let's do this. You call them in. They're like, man, I want to try that, you know? And so they like, this curiosity is there right now for hunting. Have you seen it at all to where people are like, man, I wish I had some more wild game in the freezer and shit like that? Yeah, that's old school organic. 
Tom, we've been organic since day one. Isn't it? It's so funny, man. It's so crazy. Like when I was on the, when Brent was on the show a couple weeks ago, I said, what are you doing, buddy? And he goes, man, I just put 35 brim in a bucket. They're ready for the grease, you know? And he's like, and, and Brent, you know, he's like, that's all we ever did is just like fried fish up with grandma. And, but it's amazing that there's a lot of people. Texas might be one of the states where there's more people that have hunted and fished than not, but there's a lot of places in our country that we take it for granted, man, because we grew up in it, but there's a lot of people that never had a mentor to do that. And it's cool to see somebody like you and the guys in the band have a voice of, Hey, man, we support the outdoors. We support hunting because I think that that's a really important message right now. Like look what hunting can provide during a pandemic like this. Look at what we can do. Absolutely. It's a good skill set to have <laughs> for sure. It just is. Uh, I enjoy it. It's fun. It's, it's at our core, you know, we, you know, that's what we do. So there's no, I mean, if, and if you don't you know, people don't want to do it for different reasons, that's fine too. You know, don't, I don't judge them for stuff like that, but me personally, I'm a hunt fish as long as I'm alive. Yeah. And I don't judge them either. I think that it's great. I think that my point is, is that I think it's great that people are, developing a curiosity to at least have an interest in it to whereas before they wouldn't even consider it you know but now they see all this meat in our freezers and they can't get it at the store so it's a good time for us to be able to maybe mentor somebody and help them out and i i just think that there's a lot of people interested in this in on the original organic as you call it yeah hey that's great man what they say uh Give a man a fish, you can feed him for a day, teach him to fish, you feed him for life, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I'm all about that. Y'all need yeah. lessons, holler at I do. Uh, so tell me about that. What could you teach me? What's your forte? What's your what's your favorite? What do you enjoy the most? Are you a white-tailed deer guy? Are you a wild hog guy? you like to bass fish or do you like to be in the ocean? What do you like the most? Uh, bass fishing, for sure. That's probably, that's my number one thing. Uh, then after that, probably bow hunting. For deer, that would be too. Yeah, but I mean, I enjoy it all. I've been fortunate enough to get to do a lot of things. Uh, but bass fishing is probably my first love. I've done a lot. I've had a lot of good duck hunts outside of like uh, Haskell County, um, P- Paris, Texas. You ever been around Paris? Yeah, our guitar player lives in Paris. Oh, really? We have a we have a yeah, company. John. John does. So he probably hunts around there all the time. That's amazing duck hunting in that part of Texas. Yeah. Up, up kind of by the red river. Yeah. Right off the red river. And there's a, one of our partners there is called bodyguard bumpers and they have a, uh, a factory and a manufacturing plant right there in Paris. And they do, uh, they, they do all the manufacturing of front end bumpers, back end bumpers, step sides, and they, they got really badass line of, uh, gear up there in Paris. So I'm, and they're all there. All that that family's name is the Malacotes, and they're all big Whiskey Meyer fans. So I'm sure they've ran across one of your shows up in that area for sure. What do you? Yeah, do you enjoy, we've been that area time too. You do you still play shows around there? <clears throat> yeah, we, we don't play shows anywhere right now. But I, I think we had some stuff scheduled up there. It's just kind of all over, you know. Wherever they say we need to go, we go. How long is one of your sets? Um, about two hours. We we try not to go over that too much because people just they get like drunk and go home or too tired. So, two two hours is good for us. We don't we don't go under that too much. Uh, when it's you know our show, we're allowed to play as long as we can. Uh, two hours seems to be a sweet spot for us. 
and that includes four or five encores with the crowd keep bringing you back? Yeah, they keep bringing us back, we will. I, I think that's one of the coolest parts of your show is the ending of it. But um, I want, I don't know. Do you want to talk about some of these numbers or does it kind of, does it irritate, not irritate you, but are you kind of embarrassed of the success to where you don't like talking about it? Cause I don't want to, I don't want it to be to where I'm, I'm getting, you know, into, into areas where you don't want to talk about your success because that's one of the biggest things to me is like, how how big it's gotten and i know it's not overnight i know y'all have worked your asses off for over a decade and it's so good to see a band that stuck to their roots and their messaging and their skill set like you say to get to what you're getting it's well deserved and that's why i'm not afraid to talk about it because it is well deserved and when i see how big it is i'm just like man they're really doing it whiskey myers is really really doing it this little band from texas is like the new zz top they're really out there doing it and, and I just think it's cool as shit. So I don't, I, when I talked to Eddie, I was like, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll mention some of these stats and he's like, yeah, go for it. But I don't know if you, if you want to keep touching on those or not. Yeah, man, it's cool. I'm down for whatever, man. I'm, I'm pretty, you know, easy going. I ain't going to get embarrassed. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm just here chilling, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's all good. No, and I appreciate you wholeheartedly being here, but if you have, um, all right, let's talk about a couple of these. I just want to get your opinion on a couple of them. So, if you take two and a half years of numbers of just tickets sold, the box offices are saying that the numbers keep increasing that your market share keeps going up a big time number. And I don't know if you've looked at those numbers. I'm sure you have as a business, but to be able to, to what I'm trying to say, Cody, is that every market you guys go into, you're getting 50% to 70% market share growth in these areas. Meaning that whatever you're doing in these other towns, the word is spreading through this word of mouth, through the music. And, and where I'm going with this is that I don't turn on a country radio station on Sirius XM on the highway there, or you might have to seek it out on the outlaw channel once in a while. I don't hear it on cable here in Nevada. I don't hear it in California. Whiskey Myers is not a, a big time radio band that's being promoted on big time radio stations. And you guys are getting 50 to 70% market share growth in all of these different areas of the country. So to me, that's like, you can only accredit that to one thing. People are like, dude, these guys effing rock, man. You got to check out their music. And it's like, it just keeps spreading like wildfire. And to me like that, there's not a better way to do business than to have it that growing that organically to where your numbers are doing a half a million ticket sales in 48 months, not even 48 months in 24, 24 months. Yeah. Um, the thing about the radio thing is I don't even know if people really listen to that much mainstream radio anymore. There's so many avenues, uh, you know, the internet, satellite radio, the little things like Pandora and stuff like that. I think a lot of people just listen to that stuff and they find different bands um, that they dig. You know, you'll come across their playlist or something like that. And, and that's how a lot of these, you know, bands like us are growing. It's just from stuff like that to where back in the day they probably could only here on, on their, you know, radio dial. 
and and I think that that is just like translating over into when you go to a place and and let's say let's say in North Dakota the year after you go there the first time the the crowd is anywhere from 30% to 50% bigger than it was the year before. And, and I know that, you know, you're a rock and roll band, you're a country rock band. You guys have so many different influences, but the numbers have to mean something to the success and the well being of a band to make a living at it and to stay a brotherhood and to be able to keep doing it and feed your families and have the success that you're having to, to where you don't see that very often that if you play in another place that you almost have to like, go to a bigger venue every single time because of the demand of the tickets there. And to me, like you guys got to sit there. I keep asking if you pinch yourself, but I'm looking at that thing over your right shoulder to my left. You guys are blowing the numbers out of, out of whack when it comes to a tour that is not supported by the mainstream media and the mainstream radio. I, I know what you're saying that there is a lot of different ways to get your content and your music today, but to be able to get that many people in a room that consistently, you would think that you'd have to have unbelievable national promotion like a Garth Brooks tour or the something behind that. And you guys are doing it with every, every, every city you go back to, you're growing into bigger and bigger venues. It's killer, yeah. man. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, we've been blessed. Yeah, it's like every time we go back, it doubles, and you have to go to a different place and play. Um, but for you know, especially for an independent band, we never signed a record deal or anything like that. We've always been independent. We always wanted full artistic control and things like that. So it's, it's pretty wild to be able to do that, you know, by yourself, pretty much. It's, I mean, it's more than wild, bro. It's like not, it, you don't see it very often. I'm sorry. You just, you truly don't like I, I, I watch music and you do not see independent doing what whiskey Myers is doing. And it's because the music is the best there is in America right now. Like if you ask Brent Cobb, you can't F with those guys. Their music is that good. And you just, you can't like, it's as, it's as good as anything that's been done in a long time. And I, and I, and I didn't have you to come on to this podcast for me to kiss your ass. I came on here because I, we have an audience that I, I want to make sure that our audience understands who we listen to and who we support. And Whiskey Myers is that band that, I mean, you can't get better than it, man. So I just think it's badass that you guys are seeing the success that you guys don't have a worry now. Like you, your hard work and your risk, you took a risk on yourselves. You didn't sell out. You didn't sign with publishing. You didn't sign with the record company. You guys own all of this and you're, you're freaking doing it, man. So like, it's just like a success story that in the entrepreneurial mind is like, man, what a business to work 14 years and to still own everything that you started with and not have to get any help in that back end. And at the same time, have to double in capacity every city that we go back to. That just, that's, that's freaking badass. So let's, let's talk about, let's talk about just a couple more of these and then I'll leave you alone about the stats. But, um, this, the, the new whiskey Myers album, were you ecstatic about what happened when it first came out? Because it was like at the top of every chart. Not just country, not just rock, but it's been billboard. It was up there and it stayed up there. And was it, was it, is it your masterpiece? The self-titled Whiskey Myers album? Um, is that the most, is that the biggest success you've seen with the studio album? And are you still riding high off of that? Or are you, are your sights and your focus already geared on establishing that and letting that be a stepping stone to even bigger numbers? Um, 
Yeah, it was special to us too because we we produced this album ourselves. It was the first time we did that, so we were like, man. We going into the the recording process, we didn't know. We're like, man, this might be awful. We've never done this before. But uh, just to go in there and then you know take that step and have people really dig it, you know, we were fortunate. Um, it's, you always got to look towards the future, you know. You can't hang around in the past. You got to keep going. Uh, we were, we were excited to tour this record. You know, the record came out. We didn't really get to tour it, and it was our biggest record. Uh, so yeah, so now we're just kind of at the house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, we're proud of it. Have you been doing any of the live stuff? Yeah, I've done to- a couple of acoustic things like that. We haven't done a full band thing yet. Um, and if uh, the opportunity presents itself, you know, hopefully we'll get to do something like that. But uh, yeah, I've, I've done a couple of things, but not. No, nah, I'm just been kind of enjoying my time at home, man. We've been we've been on the road our whole adult lives, so. It's it's been all right to to spend a little time at home. And what's your family life like? Just hanging out here in the country with my <laughs> wife, man. No kiddos yet. No, not yet. But plans, maybe. I will see. We'll see how long they keep us cooped up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you keep hearing about nine months from now that we're going to be infiltrated with a whole bunch of babies, huh? But anywhere from eight, seven to nine months from today, man, I, I think that it'd be cool as heck to do a, a camp, man, to have a, to do a little duck camp somewhere and have you guys come out or do it in Texas. And wouldn't it be killer to sit around a fire and pick a little bit and then wake up in the morning, maybe a little headache, but probably not. Cause we're adults and we're disciplined. We're not going to do go overboard and go out and chase some mallard ducks or some speckle belly geese or something. Oh yeah. We're totally down for that. Anytime, man, you let us know. We'll be there. No, I, I really want to. I'd love to get you out. And uh, I want to, I want to, I don't know. I just want to, I want to ask you like about every song you guys have written, but I don't want to be that, that raw, raw guy, Cody. I don't want to be like that super fan. That's like, man, tell me about the day that you wrote, you, you, you know, you wrote the ballad of a Southern man, because it's gotta be one of the most listened to songs in this, in the, from Texas South, from Texas to Arkansas, maybe a little bit of Oklahoma, but it, all Mississippi, all Louisiana, all the way over to Georgia and Alabama. It's gotta be one of the most list. I've traveled the world. I get to travel a lot hunting and that song's gotta be the most listened to song in the hunting culture. And hunting in the Bible Belt is like the biggest thing down there besides church and God. And every hunter I know, from deer to turkey to pigs to ducks to geese, fishermen, listen to that song every single day. It's got to be the most listened song in the, in the hunting community. I don't know if you'd agree with that or if you've ever heard that, but I'm telling you, like, I travel a bunch and that song's got to be the most listened to song for all hunters. Have you ever heard that, Cody? I've never heard it, but I think it's kick-ass, man. <laughs> it really is. Like, that song, dude, that song is freaking amazing. What's really funny is people in, like, uh, like over in Europe and stuff, they love that song, too. That's, like, their favorite song over there. It's so wild. And, like, people that can't even speak English and stuff will sing, sing that song. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. What was the um, what the first line in the song? Whose whose life is that? Is that a true story? And was that your gun or was that John's? Who had the who had the rifle and it, why was it that caliber? Was it a true story about that caliber? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was semi true. So it was my great grandpa's two forty three. But that doesn't really sing as right. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so 
was my great grandfather's gun. Uh, it was, I don't know if it was my first rifle. I probably had a 22 and stuff before that, but it was probably my first, I would say like a high caliber rifle. You know, that's one of the first ones when you're old enough to shoot a little bit bigger gun, maybe you're 10 or 12 or something like that, that I, that I had. So it's definitely, yeah, that song's definitely a lot of stuff in that song is true. Besides the, you know, you have to change like great, you know, stuff like that. God, man, that song, dude. Do you, do you still, the values that that song has in it, is that one of the reasons that you wrote it was to kind of show your guys's character and the values that the band grew up with as far as what it means? You know, the words mean a lot and I'm not, I'm not even, you know, from that part of the country, but I can see that it was, it was it a very personal song to write. Um, yeah, it had a lot of aspects of, uh, my childhood in it, especially the first verse and stuff. Uh, but man, we're just writing a song, you know, we we're just writing. I don't think we had any mindset going into it that it had to be a certain way. We were just sitting around and, and we needed to write a, a song and it came out, we worked together and it came out that way, you know, and we dig it and stuff, but that's the best when you're creating like that. I think it's, it's better, more natural just to let the words come out instead of trying to make it fit a certain thing. So we didn't go into it trying to make it, you know, any any way, just kind of come out like that. Man, I don't know how you can't have that. Vi- you didn't have any vision of like that song teaches lessons, man. That's like one of those lesson teaching songs you listen to and you're like, damn, they, these these dudes live the same way that I do. And I think that's why people are 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 flooding into your shows is because they literally are gravitate there's a gravitational pull with your lyrics that are bringing them in and I and I and I don't mean to bring Cobb back up but I see it the same with his growth when I go to his shows of it's like a Quentin Tarantino movie you might not listen to Frogman the first time and be like yeah I get it but the third time you're like holy shit and then you listen to Ballad and you're like wait a minute that's that could have been written about me and my granddaddy wait, I'm going to go see these guys live. And I think that that's what's going on is that these lyrics are so freaking real and raw that people are going, I'm not going anywhere without this music in my life. I'm going to do it live. I'm going to go to, I'm, I tell Brent all the time, dude, in a non-romantic way, I, I got to listen to your music before I sleep at night. Not just when I'm falling asleep, but sometime that day, I have to listen to a Brent Cobb song because the lyrics touch me that much. And I think that where I'm going with my talk with you and my, and hopefully my future friendship with you guys is that that's the music that I want to be in our platforms is that I, you can hear any of these podcasts I've done, you know, with whether it was with Jamie or whether it was with Brent or any of the guys that have been on here. I just had a guy named uh, Paul McDonald come on here. And when I listen to Paul's songs, I'm just like, man, he's so real and nobody knows about him. Right. And here you are 14 years later and your guys' momentum's there. But I want to be one of the guys that just says, hey, man, we support this kind of music because of way it makes us feel. And I think that's what music is supposed to do. It's not supposed to be so commercialized and just popped out of a cubicle every day with the lyrics. The lyrics have to be put out front and they have to be considerate of the listener. And I know that they're very close to you, but I think that the listener is getting an entire life lesson in a story in three minutes. That's what Cobb's music does. And that's what Whiskey Myers music does. And that would be my opinion if I had to guess why the success has blown up because I know y'all can play the guitar and I know you got a great drummer but the lyrics are what's making people go man that's me and I don't know if I'm sure you've heard that before but that's what I see when I see your show or when I listen to your albums 
Yeah, man, we appreciate that. It just goes back to just putting it out there and being real. That's why, you know, not going to the song with preconceived type things, you know, to make it a certain way, just let it come out and it's going to be real. Uh, that's the artistic element in it, I think. When you make it commercialized and all that, you kind of take the art out of it. So with that being said, Cody Cannon, have you ever been tempted? Have you ever personally sat down as a band in a brotherhood and said, hey, there's an offer on the table. We got this much interest from 16th and 17th Avenue and Music Row. We got people want to sign us. Has there been opportunity to where your guys' temptation was like, man, we can get some money up front. We're going to have this much marketing behind us. And we're not, you know, we're going to have our plane rides paid for and all of our radio appearances. We might get a chance to go on Jimmy Kimmel because our publicist is going to be pushing us big time through our record company or our record deal. Has it, has there been temptation? Uh, yeah. And that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. We would, uh, we're always open to it. If the right deal, you know, came along, but it just goes back having control and stuff like that. That would be our main focus. Uh, you know, it's like, well, why the hell would I want a boss? <laughs> uh, but again, like signing and stuff, yeah, we have no, we have nothing against that. But uh, we, we, you know, had opportunities and stuff. It just didn't work out for whatever reason, you know, that our vision. Uh, so to us, man, we're just doing our thing. And if something happens, it happens. But uh, it's just about artistic control and stuff like that. Being able to do, make your art, make your music and do it your own way. That was a big kind of thing when we started the band we wanted to do it our way and so that's this is just how it ended up okay so talk to me about the way that you're sitting right here and for the folks that aren't watching this on youtube and you're just listening to the podcast he's wearing a red t-shirt with a black bass pro shops hat on <laughs> is this is there a character when you get on stage and you got your strap around your neck and you got your axe hanging and you go to hit that first note with your voice. When you walk up on that stage, do you get in a formation to where all of a sudden Cody Cannon, this dude in Texas that's just chilling with a little bass rod and he's throwing it off the front end of his Ranger, is there a character that takes place to where you almost turn into the rock when he goes from Dwayne Johnson to WWE? Or is it, you know, like I, I assume that Slash is like this gentle creature that's petting a cat, you know, like Mr. Bigglesworth uh, in, in, in Austin Powers. And then all of a sudden Slash is Slash when he's on stage and he becomes like this guitar god. Do you take on a different character? Because I know for a fact you're nowhere near this laid back when you're rocking. And is there a different character that you take on, a different persona? Um, to a little extent, like I'm not that outgoing. So you, but you can't, you know, you can't be that laid back on stage. It would be boring. So you have to bring the energy and stuff, but I'm definitely more of an introvert when I'm not on stage. I like to hang out here way out in the country by myself and, you know, I'm not around a lot of people a lot of the time and stuff like that. I'm probably way quieter off stage. Um, so, but you got to bring that energy so it comes out. But I don't know if I change too much other than that. The fact that I'm a lot quieter and just kind of chill when I'm not on stage. Yeah, that makes total sense. So your your favorite place to be would be right where you're at right now? Or is it, it just depends on the times. You like being on the bus. You like being on the, on the pavement. You, you'd rather be in a bass boat. You'd rather be in a tree stand. Or is it all a balance? Yeah, I think it's a balance for sure. All the above, if you're, you know, doing one thing all the time, you probably want to be doing something else. If you're on the road, you know, for a month, you're like, man, I sure wish I could just go home and go hunting or something like that. So 
that's with everything in life. I think it's just a balance. All right. So let's have a balance game of Cody Cannon's favorites or what would potentially be. Give me if you, I don't care what venue it is, but give me the country singer that's living today that you would want to join you on stage for a duo. Is there one male singer and then a female singer? Um, a duo. Well, they could probably sing way better than me, but I don't know, man. You know, we really are. We're getting to hopefully tour with Jamie this year. And we've always been fans of him. We love Jamie Johnson. So, uh, just doing anything with him. We feel blessed. Uh, so I probably Jamie or Stapleton, um, would be really cool on that. And the younger guys, uh, you know, Willie would be super kick-ass. Uh, it's hard to say. And then as far as singers, uh, hey, uh, I think I think Dolly Parton's real badass, so that would be cool too. Or uh, Bonnie, Bonnie Raitt's probably my favorite female voice. So any and all of the above on that. Great picks. I would have picked Dolly for sure. She's my favorite female. Miranda would have been my second pick because of the Texas roots. And she can sing her butt off. But Jamie, I don't know how many times I've said it just on this podcast, Cody, about that the Lonesome Song is my favorite song-to-song country album of all time. And there's a lot of Merle albums that were unbeatable. But Jamie's albums are just like, damn it, boy. We need more Jamie Johnson. Like, we need a lot more Jamie Johnson. I keep hearing kind of like... I don't even ask him when I'm talking to him, but I'm more, I hear from like outside sources, like Jamie might be going in the studio pretty soon and doing another album. I'm like, damn it. I hope it happens. But you know, Stapleton, damn, when he was with the steel drivers and his whole, I mean, he's, he's not an overnight success by any means. You know, Stapleton is a bad ass with, is there any Texas singer? Like if I said just the Texas genre, not counting Willie, because Willie is a worldwide sensation, but the Robert Earl Keens, the Hayes Carls, the, the, you know, the, the Braun brothers with reckless Kelly or Mickey and the motor cars, um, the, the Pat greens, the Corey Moros, the Stony LaRue's what Texas band, would would or Texas guy would you want on stage with you? I know that probably a lot of them are your friends anyway. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about some amazing uh, bands. All those bands are really, really good, really good artists. Um, man, probably Ray Wiley Hubbard. Man, he's our homeboy and he's super amazing. If y'all don't know Ray Wiley Hubbard, go check him out. Uh, he's the coolest person on earth, probably. Uh, and we wrote um, Die Rockin' together. Yeah. So I'd, I'd have to say Ray, man. God, he's so awesome. What was the what was the song? It's escape, escaping me right now. But what Jerry Jeff song had that did Ray Wiley write with him or write and then and then Jerry did? He, he mentions him in the song. Was it Sons? Redneck, Redneck Mother. Mother. Yep, Redneck Mother. Up against the wall. Okay, last question on music on your on your on your guests. Rock and roll frontman of all time. Is it Freddie Mercury, Robert Plant, or Axl Rose, or none of the above? Oh, good Lord. That's going to be hard. <laughs> Those are my uh, three favorites, so I had to put them in there to see if you and I are going to be friends or if you're going to throw, is it Philip Ensembo? Is it Marilyn Manson? Trent Reznor's freaking awesome. Um, there's so many good ones, dude. The lead singer is Slipknot. Corey, what's his name, dude? That dude can rock. Man, I'm going to mess this up because there's so many, and then I'm going to, you know, like, when I get off of here in like 20 minutes, I'm like, oh shit, I should have said that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, who were, out of the three, 
you named, I would go Robert Plant. Um, man, there's so many. That's really hard. Are you uh, an Axel fan at all? Yeah. Yeah, I, I dig Guns N' Roses for sure. We played with them uh, like last year, last yeah. summer. God, what, an, what a freaking stud night, dude. How awesome. Yeah. Um, Man, there's a bunch. That's really hard. That's something you got to think about. But uh, I would say Robert Plant's way up there because, you know, Zeppelin. Uh, I'm a huge Rolling Stones fan. So Mick Jagger's way up there for me, man. I think he's awesome and a super, super underrated songwriter. Man, those Rolling Stones songs, you want to talk about lyrics. Their lyrics are amazing. And people don't think about that because it's like, oh, the Stones, yeah. But no, nah, their lyrics are really, really good. So, are you? Are, yeah, I, I, could, I couldn't agree more. And I think that it's cool to hear you say that of how the lyrics out front to you because they're known for their stage, the presence and their touring and their rock and roll sound and, you know, songs like satisfaction, but there's so many songs that you're just like, almost like a John Prine library. And when you start digging into it and you listen to Prine records, you're just like, why did I take so long? And, and Brent Cobb says the same thing is like, he, he, he discovered John Prine late in life. And I did too, like way into my thirties. And I was like, man, where's this guy been? You know, cause he wasn't like out there with the Willies and the, and the Waylands and the Merles, at least not in my household growing up with my dad's records and my mom's records, you know, but I, I'm sure you're a Prine fan. I'm sure you're a Christofferson fan. But my question for you, Cody Cannon is how in the heck have you not played with Willie yet? Like I would think Willie would be like, Cody, get the guys and get over here to the reunion, get over here to the 4th of July show. I'm going on the road with you guys, get on the bus, get over to luck. Like that would just seem like second nature with me all living down there. Well, he lives in Maui mainly now, right? We, uh, we, we did, we did the 4th of July picnic a while back, but we haven't got to do a tour with Willie, um, or anything like that. Probably cause it meant live. We're pretty loud. Maybe, maybe that's why like, it's pretty heavy live. Um, we got to do the 4th of July thing though, but I, yeah, I would love to play some shows with Willie. I ain't never met him. I'd like to meet him. <laughs> I, I got to meet him a couple times. If I took this camera into, maybe if you're ever out here playing in this neck of the woods, I'll throw down a little barbecue for the whiskey Myers guys. And, um, I've had the, I don't, I can't even tell you like the pictures I have with him and what he's done with allowing us on the bus. And, and uh, this year, this last year he played here and he has his, you know, his weed company, Willie's reserve. And he's, and I don't, I don't, I'm not into that. I don't, and I don't care if you do, I'm not promoting it. So, but he signed a, uh, he signed a pre-roll for me on the out, outer, outer case. And it's in my studio. Yeah, I know. I know about Willie's reserve a little bit. <laughs> I saw you smiling when I said it, you, you know, a little bit about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one I got. Well, I got the green one signed. You got the pre-rolls in there. Yeah, that I dude, I, I just I I'd do anything to see y'all live with him. He's a freaking legend, man. Yes. Man, he brother. Is. I guess the 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 main the, the the main theory of this is that I respect y'all. I love what you guys are doing. It's amazing. It's so awesome to see your success. And I don't even know you guys. I just when I had the chance to talk to you through my network, I was like, hell yes, I want to meet Whiskey Myers because of what y'all mean to me and what you mean to my brothers and what you mean to our, in our entire circle here, how many good times we've had around the music. And, um, I, I hope that it, it matures and we can get on a hunt and we can hang. And I would, I could sit here and go down all of these numbers and, and tell the audience what you guys are, 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 
you know, accomplishing, but I don't know if that's really what we need to get into. I just want to get the message of like whiskey Myers is the rawest. I don't even know how to describe the band. It's not, it's, it's rock country, soul, um, blues. It's, it's everything that you want in, in your body. It's like, it'll make your body go through so many different emotional places. And that's what music is supposed to do. And that's not being all dramatized, Cody. I'm being, I'm being real. When I listen to music, I want it to hit me like, man, that shit is raw. And that is life right there. And I'm so glad that y'all are doing what you're doing. And I'm so glad that, you know, when I go into hunting camps and I hear the ballad, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I belong here. This is a whiskey Myers place where, where they get it. And it's just cool to see people react to the music and the place is just filling up nonstop, man. Congratulations. Wow. I appreciate it, man. Really do. And I, we appreciate you guys. And, uh, let's talk off camera, off, off mic about getting together and, uh, and, um, getting on a little duck hunt or goose hunt this year. I'll put together a gig where I bring you guys out. We'll freaking sell out a place and wrap it around a duck hunting in the fall, assuming that we're all safe and that the pandemic's not going. I can't imagine whiskey Myers all on stage with gloves and masks on, man. I don't know if you'd be able to, if you'd sound too muffled or what. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I can rock the gloves and the mask, man. I don't know. It'd be like a Michael Jackson slipknot mixture, dude. It'd be like, what's going on up there? Cody's moonwalking and he's singing like some thrash metal with some masks on his shit on his face. Yeah. We can't be doing all that. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we get to get, get out there soon. Where are you at? Where are you based out of? A lot of the hunts that I would be talking about would be out of Northern California, Chico area up North of Sacramento a little bit. I'm, I'm up by Lake Tahoe in a town called Reno, Nevada. Yeah, for sure, man. And you guys, you guys, you guys tour in Nevada and, um, I'd love to get you guys out though, to maybe do a little swing with Brent Cobb. I just have these visions, man, of like, man, after this pandemic, and if you guys got some open dates of bringing you out on some different outdoor stuff that we're going to be doing with Traeger and some different companies and have you guys rock it with Brent and maybe Adam Hood and some of the guys would be killer. Yeah. Those are all good friends of ours. So anytime we get to with those guys we're down man you don't get to see all your buddies that much on the road when you're a uh, pass cross cross is always special yeah i can imagine are you uh are you uh getting any influence out of your talk with me for a song have you been writing lyrics in your head during this talk be because it's been so inspirational <laughs> no nah, man i keep thinking about that question about the best uh the best front man ever yeah i <laughs> i think you're I, I think your answer is pretty legit it's just that i could if we were in a speech and debate, I would give you my, my argument and then my, my back, you know, my research, I take Axel just because of the, the, the lyrics, in my opinion, were on a different level. His stage presence and energy was amazing. His voice, he could hit any note in any range, his, his ability to own an audience. He was an asshole though. Back in the day, he was hard to work with. It sounds like, but I just think of him like, those three are my guys is him plant and freddie mercury i just love the way that if you get a chance go on today and refresh and i don't know the last time you saw the freddie mercury tribute concert when when uh when axel does knocking on heaven's doors and we will rock you over in over in europe in britain dude it's like holy shit just every everybody it's got to be a hundred thousand people in there singing with him have, have you seen that video mm-hmm YouTube, yeah, YouTube Guns N' Roses Freddie Mercury tribute concert and watch some of the licks on there. It's pretty badass. 
Yeah, he was. Uh, he could sing for sure. <laughs> oh, dude, he could sing. He could sing. I don't know. I, I think Robert Plant though is probably the overall pick and consensus in the history of rock and roll as the best frontman. I I don't know if you could argue that. I I think that he would probably win that argument in most cases. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Led Zeppelin is just so massive. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a there's a bunch. There's a bunch. All right, let's get let's get a couple hunting questions out of the way, and then I'm gonna let you go. Do you shoot a Benelli? And if not, don't say the name of the shotgun because Benelli is all I'm allowed to mention. But have you ever shot a Benelli, and do you appreciate a good Benelli Italian made shotgun? I do have uh, a Benelli. I have shot Benellis. It's not my main gun, just because uh, right now, just it's just not. Um, I I don't have anything against it. I just off the one sitting next to it <laughs> just because uh but no i love benelli i think they probably make the best waterfowl gun hands down the best what you brought like the best waterfowl gun like the super black eagles and stuff They're, yeah I, I love those shots, man well i'm glad you said that man good call right there i think that's all i need to know about you now is that you're a benelli lover do you use it? Do you use, do you call animals? Are you a game caller? Do you know how to call a turkey an elk? Do you do the on a white tail to stop him? Do you do the bleats and, and all of the sounds? And do you, are you proficient with a mallard duck call, Canada goose call, any of the waterfowl calls? Um, Hey, yeah, I can actually blow the shit out of a duck call, man. I, I, I used to blow it all the time back in the day. Um, I don't get to duck hunt as much anymore just because I don't really have a lot of places to go. But growing up, we used to duck hunt all the time. And so I like, I like, I used to practice on it. I used to have like the Phil Robertson, uh, not the cassette tapes, whatever, the VCR tapes, whatever they were yeah, called. Yeah, VHS. Um, yeah, VHS back in the day. So I can actually blow a duck call pretty good. Um, and then, yeah, I've, I think I've only killed one deer that I actually grunted up that I know for a fact that I killed it because I grunted him up. Um, as far as turkey, uh, in my area of Texas, we don't have any turkey, so I cannot call it turkey at all. <laughs> and the same thing, we don't really have geese, so I probably can't put a goose call or anything like that. All right, well, I'm going to talk to you offline about the Benelli and about the uh, the duck calls. Cody Cannon, you're the man I'd love to have, or Cody Cannon, Cody Cannon, I, you're the man I'd love to have you back on and and just you know, just keep watching this freaking badass ride you're on, dude. This is killer. Whiskey Myers is rocking it. Anytime, man. I appreciate it. Okay, stand by, stand by real quick. I'm going to end this real quick. That's another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Today's episode was brought to you by our friends in Lynchburg, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Jack Daniels, enjoy it responsibly. Jack Daniels, thank you all so much for supporting our TV shows, our podcast, our social media, all of our outdoor adventures. Find brand new episodes of the Foul Life, Duck Hunting, and Goose Hunting TV right now exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. Brand new episodes, season 12. We're so excited about them coming your way July 1st. Tom, hit that button. I'm not going to tell you guys the name of the song because I'm going to ask my friends at whiskey myers if we can go on the outro on this song with one of their badass jams that i listen to religiously whiskey myers check them out they are the band you want to be listening to right now they're the best in america in my opinion cody cannon thank you so much brother any closing words no man i appreciate it y'all stay safe out there all right hold on one sec cody i'll be right back with you tom hit that button this is whiskey myers thank you all so much for listening to today's show
southern flame. 